0: got your Bible this morning, turn to uh, to John chapter 8, John chapter 8, I do want you to know that the Lord put this passage on me, on my heart earlier in this week, and then I found out that if you're keeping up with the daily Bible reading calendar, it was in our reading yesterday, so just so you know, God gave it to me first, and that was on Monday, even though we read it all yesterday, it's been in the works for a little while now, but... uh, don't know why I wanted to tell you that but now you know. John chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 1. John chapter 8 verse 1, the Bible says this. Jesus went unto the mount of olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, master, This woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, Let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Let's pray. So before getting started on the message that I actually want to preach to you this morning, I want to point out just a couple of things from this passage that I found uh, very interesting and why we're here I'm going to hit them anyway. Well, the first thing I want to show you is this is an example of, of Pharisees willing to put a woman to death in order to trap Jesus in His words. I mean, they're they're bringing her here and says, Okay, Lord, according to the to the law, she's supposed to be stoned to death. We're ready to sacrifice her. But we're, we're bringing her out and we're making a big public example because, because we're trying to catch Jesus in His words. I want you to understand, religion is often the enemy of Jesus Christ. Amen. This is the religious Pharisees willing to sacrifice a sinner to entrap Jesus Christ. Religious leaders who do not accept Jesus Christ as God do not care about people. Okay, you need to understand that. If they don't accept Jesus Christ as who He is, the Creator God Himself, they don't care about the people. They're there because there's a good chance this lady went to the temple. You know, she was probably a faithful synagogue member being caught in adultery. They, they didn't care to try to help her out in any way, shape, or form. They were just trying to entrap Jesus, and so they were willing to sacrifice her for that cause. Uh, second thing I want to point out, notice how well Jesus pays attention to people who come to him and complain about other people's sins. Look at verse 6. This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. So they're saying, Lord, we caught this woman in the very act. She's guilty. She's a sinner. She's worthless, Lord. She's supposed to be stoned and and put to death. What do you say about it? It says, but Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. Instead of considering their evidence and accusation, Jesus ignores them. (laughs) It's like he didn't even hear them. You want to know what God thinks whenever you're praying to him and you're complaining about the sins of someone else and saying, Lord, look how wicked they are and their sins sure hurting me and, Lord, they just need to get right because I don't like their sin and they're so guilty because I can think of this verse and this verse and this verse that they're going against. You know what God's doing? He, he doesn't care. He knows how guilty they are, but he knows how guilty you are. Amen. Notice the focus of Jesus' response to these religious Pharisees, Verse 7. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. So instead of considering the evidence and accusation, Jesus points out their shortcomings. You know what happens whenever you go and complain to the Lord about someone else's sin? He says, what about yours? Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about them right now. You know I'm not even paying attention whenever you're telling me about that. What about this sin that you have? Let's, since I got you on the line, let's talk about something important. Next time you pray judgment on someone else for their sins, just notice how quickly God points to your own. Because He will. And a lot of times we'll just say, eh, never mind, I'm, I'm done praying. We'll just ignore it. But this is not the message, that's, that's just ex- extra there. What I want to preach to you this morning is the, uh, the blessing of getting caught. The blessing of of getting caught. I want to focus this morning on, on what happened to this, this woman caught in adultery and the blessings that happened in her life because her sin was exposed, because she got caught. So number one, the, the, the blessings of getting caught, first thing I want to point out, she doesn't have to keep up with the secrets or the lies anymore. Prior to this day, this woman who was caught in adultery... She had to keep up with appearances, and she had to keep our lives in order. You know, she she had to say, well, okay, you know, I'm, I'm sneaking around with this guy. The Bible doesn't tell us maybe they were both married. That's the way I'm going to assume it. If you want to assume that she was single and the guy she was cheating on was married, or that she was married and the guy that she was cheating on, he was single or whatever, I'm, I'm just going to throw it out there that they were both married. It's adultery on both parts, you know, and that's that's the way I'm going to play it. If you want to think different, think different on it. But she's got this web of lies going on to try to conceal her sin. She's got to keep her story straight with, with her husband and say, well, I'm, I'm out getting groceries, you know, whenever she's really out with the other guy. You know, well, where were you Tuesday night? Oh, let's see, Tuesday. What lie did I tell him then? Uh, oh, yeah, that was, that was book club with the ladies. That's, that's what it was, or at least that's what I said, you know. I mean, so, we, you know, she, she's got to keep up appearances, and she's got she's to make it look like her and her husband are still getting along real well. You know, because she's trying to cover up this sin. She's trying to conceal it. And so she's, she's got all these stories that she's got to try to keep straight. She's got to put on the show and she's got to keep those lies in order. But I want you to, to remember this, that adultery in particular, adultery does not just happen spontaneously. It's not a, oh, we were in a great marriage yesterday, and today one spouse cheated on another spouse. It doesn't happen just like that. Okay? It's a culmination of things like hurt, neglect, bitterness, loneliness, or the lack of appreciation or affection that leads one spouse to seek something from someone else. Whatever they're not getting at home, the, the wife will say, well, he just doesn't listen to me or doesn't, he's, he's not affectionate enough towards me or he doesn't, he doesn't appreciate me enough. And so she goes and looks for a man that's going to pay her attention, give her affection, say how wonderful she is and how pretty she is and all these other things and get from another man what she's not getting at home. And whenever a husband goes and steps out on his wife, it's because, well, she is not affectionate enough towards me. And and she doesn't listen to my stories that I've been telling over and over. And she doesn't care about my hobbies and different things, you know. He's lacking something at home, and so he seeks a woman that's going to give him those needs. This takes time, okay. This woman that was taken in adultery was obviously not happy with her marriage. Or had no respect for the other guy's marriage, however it was set up. But I'm saying she was discontented in her marriage. Over time, the idea to cheat came into her mind. And what she did, she justified the thought with emotions like self-pity. Well, you know, if my husband was better to me, then I wouldn't be having these thoughts well, you know, if he would just treat me like he did when we first got married instead of how he treats me now, we'd be okay. But since he changed, and or he didn't change, and he was supposed to, whatever, whatever justification she's using in her mind, she's trying to justify the thought that she's allowing to start brewing in her mind. The thoughts grew into an action. That's where adultery comes from. Adultery is the end result of of something that's been going on for months and months and months. Usually through, I'm not getting this at home, I'm not happy, it's their fault, I'm justified, and then the opportunity arises, they take advantage of it. There's a ton of hurt, there's a ton of deceit, there's a ton of secrets that go into adultery. Once she got caught, she didn't have to keep up with that anymore. Look at John chapter 8, next next chapter over, John chapter 8, verse 31. Bible says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There's freedom with the truth being revealed. There, there's just Oh, there's a, there's a relaxation that goes on because even though you're caught, even though you're guilty, all the lies can be put to rest. The exposure helps, you know. I mean, it's just, oh, you you know what you have to do if you have a wound that hasn't been treated for a while. You got to go out and scrape it out and clean it up, and stuff like that, for the healing to happen. When you get caught in a big lie like this, or in a big sin like this. That's the deep down cleaning. That's the scrubbing that hurts, but it exposes, it gets all that lies, and the deceit out of there, all the stories, all, everything that's been going on, that gets out of there and healing can take place. I find it interesting most of the time that long-time criminals, uh, when they get caught, they're relieved. They've been on the run from the law, maybe they've, they've, they've been getting away with it for too long, and they, there's, there's paranoia on the run. And it it gets worse and worse. And it's actually worse on the criminal than getting caught. Because you're constantly... am, am Am I going to get caught? You know, I mean, is it... Uh, maybe maybe this is this is what's going to expose me. Can I do this or can I not? Well, maybe this person this, they might see me. Well, what is their schedule like? You know, I mean, who's going to be here at this particular time? I mean, is someone going to sneak in? I mean, what, what about this and what about that? And all these different thoughts and emotions are, are raging on because you're trying to trying to conceal it. And once that gets cracked open and exposed, it's just like it, everybody knows it. Okay, I I don't have to worry about who sees it now. I don't have to worry about keeping it. The, because everybody knows it and it's like this burden has been lifted i couldn't even imagine what what criminals go through and rightfully so by being on the run from the law and having to watch every step you know hiding from the police keeping up with aliases avoiding airports and different things that you say oh that, that'd be exciting for a time <laughs> it, that would get real old real quick So the first blessing she gets from getting caught is the burden of the lies comes off of her. Number two, the second blessing she gets from getting caught is she got to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you realize any sin will ultimately bring you before Jesus? In Numbers uh, 32, 23 It says in part here, it says, Behold, ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Sin will lead you into a confrontation with Jesus Christ. This woman's adultery brought her a one-way ticket to the presence of the Lord. Look at verse 9, uh, back in John 8, verse 9. And it says, and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Her sin ultimately brought her face to face, one on one, with Jesus Christ. She had no attorney present to represent her. She had no parents present to make excuses for her. She had no husband present to shift the blame to. It was her sins were finding her out. That's all there is to it. When you sin against a holy God, it's you and him. It's one-on-one there. There's nobody else that's going to come between you and Jesus Christ about your sin. Look at Romans chapter 14. We'll be back here in John chapter 8, but look at Romans chapter 14. You know, I find it interesting there. Well, you'll notice a couple verses. They might stick out to you here in Romans 14 that are very similar to John chapter 8, whenever we were talking about uh, the Lord, or uh, about the Pharisees getting in trouble, you know, the, the Lord not paying attention to them whenever they were pointing out the lady's sin, but instead Jesus brought up their own sins. Romans 14, let's start in verse 10. Says, But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Let us not there, therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Paul's saying right here that, hey, listen, why are you so worried about the sins of someone else? They've got an appointment with Jesus Christ. Their sin is going to be found out by Jesus Christ. They're going to be bowing the knee, confessing to him, and they're going to be held accountable for every one of their sins. So why are you worried about their sin? Let's talk about your sin. It says, for every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Every one of us. Everyone has a date with the Lord Jesus Christ. You will kneel before him and give an account of yourself. And I want you to understand, there there will be no one else to hide behind. There's going to be no one else to blame. You're going to give an account of your sins before the holy judge and creator of all things. You're not going to be able to say, well, well yeah, but my preacher said this. Well, you know, my, my husband said this. Or, you know, my family's always done it this way. And, well, Lord, you know, it's not really that bad on my part because these people were doing much worse. And, and Lord, it was my environment. And it was my upbringing, Lord. And it, it was this. No, no, no. You're going to give an account for your sins before Jesus Christ, who went through everything that you went through and passed. So yeah, just, just, just think about that as you're trying to come up with those excuses. But you might be saying, and, and this is a blessing to go before Jesus Christ because of your sins? This, this is a blessing of being caught? Absolutely. Because Jesus is the only one that can take away the punishment for those sins. He's the only, way, he's the only one that can give you leniency towards that. The law said that this woman should be stoned to death. Legally, this should have been her last day on earth. But she got caught. She got caught and set before the judge, Jesus Christ. Now is it not only not her last day on earth, but now it's a new beginning for her because getting caught brought her to the Lord. John 1.17 says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. There's a blessing in realizing how guilty you are. Because it leads you to the one that took, can take that guilt away. Jesus took away her condemnation. Look at uh, back in John chapter 8. Look at verse 10. She came to the Lord guilty, and she didn't leave that way. John eight ten, When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? Where, where's your condemnation? Where's your, where's your condemnation at? I know you're guilty. Well, who, who's, who's, condemning the, who's condemning you? Who's holding you accountable for all that you've done here? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Her condemnation was taken away because she got caught. Because be- getting caught brought her into confrontation. Exposed sin brings you before Jesus Christ. What a blessing that is. It's good. That's, that's what brings you in his presence. That's, that's what makes you willing to go to him is realizing your guilt. Yes, it hurts. Yes, it's embarrassing. Yes, it brings shame. But Jesus is at the end of that road. Jesus is the one, yeah, you're going through some things, and it, it hurts. You don't like to get caught. You want to get away with it. That's why you're doing it in secret. But you get caught, but the end of that road is Jesus. And you say, praise the Lord, I've, I've met him. Where else would this woman, where was she going to meet up with Jesus? Jesus. She wasn't there already in the temple whenever he was teaching. She was somewhere else. But listen, it's it's a blessing to get caught because it brings you to Jesus Christ. Number three, the blessing of getting caught, she got to experience God's mercy and forgiveness. When she got caught in adultery, her true character was exposed. She was a sinner, and now everyone knows it. Her guiltiness brought her before the judge and master, Jesus Christ. But instead, uh, the, the punishment was clear. It was death. She was supposed to be stoned. Instead, Jesus Christ removes her condemnation. And did you notice how quick and easy Jesus made it? He didn't say, he didn't say okay, come here, we're going to have a talking to Sit down for a little while. Let me tell you exactly how wicked you are because of all this. She knew her guilt. Everyone else now knows her guilt. She's not arguing that fact. But now Jesus is speaking with her, and he's pardoning her. He's he's removing that condemnation. In Nehemiah 9.17, the Bible says this. Nehemiah 9.17, it says, But thou art a God ready to pardon gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. Jesus wasn't power hungry and ready to punish her once he found out her sin. he, He was more angry with the people that brought her in. He had more indignation for those that were ready to stone her than the one that actually committed the sin. He was ready to pardon He is abundant. He's gracious and merciful. He's slow to anger. He's of great kindness. Getting caught allowed this woman to partake in the benefits of God's mercy and forgiveness while it was still available, while she was still alive. Because you understand, if she never got caught, she might have successfully lived out the rest of her life, playing her little double life role and, and, you know, Keeping up appearances with her husband and still sneaking around with other guys on the side. And she might have just kept getting away with it, kept getting away with it, and thinks she's doing great. She's like, Oh, I'm a criminal mastermind, you know, nobody knows my sin. Everybody thinks I'm just wonderful. And look at look at this. And she could live out the rest of her life, never getting caught. But there's still that appointment that's coming from the sin. There's still a day after death now that she would have to come face to face with Jesus Christ. It's a blessing that her sin got exposed now because if she died and that sin was never exposed, there's no turning to Jesus Christ after death. You see, so it's, it's a good thing she got caught now. It's a blessing that even though she's got to deal with all the repercussions and everybody else knows it, now there's an opportunity for Jesus Christ to pardon her and give her that forgiveness now. If you're saved here this morning, this is exactly how your salvation came about. Number one, your sin was exposed. Someone let you know you were a sinner. You, you found out through Scripture or however it was, someone let you know that you were a sinner. You were guilty before God. You, you found out you were deserving of hell. The Bible says, For the wages of sin is death. James 2.10 says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. In spite of how good you tried to be or how good other people thought you were, your sin was revealed. This is why it's, it's important to understand this because this is the first step in salvation. Okay, The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our sins there's danger now and I've, I've i've been getting greater understanding in this here recently I've been hearing some good messages and things like that but there's a lot of danger in just getting someone to repeat a prayer amen. if amen. you just say hey say this prayer and you're going to go to heaven you you don't want to go to hell right you'd much rather go to heaven okay say this prayer really quick and you'll go to heaven and they'll give you a couple of verses to back that up and that that's all they'll tell you where where's the guilt amen. Hey, amen. where's where's the blame where's the condemnation and I'm not saying, listen, you're, you're supposed to really blame them and, and really really put the screws to them or anything. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that. But they need to understand their guilt. This woman was brought before Jesus Christ because she was guilty. Without the guilt, without the sin, she's not in front of Jesus Christ. Sinners need to understand, listen, you've come short for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. You're just in the same place I was. I met a man, Jesus Christ, when my sin was found out and I got to talk to him, and he forgave me of my sin based on what he did for me. If you want to lead someone else before the judge, you've got to let them know they're guilty. Listen, your sin is going to send you to hell. There's one man you can appeal to to keep you from going there. Amen. Okay? So you've got to understand, you're guilty here. People don't want to hear that because they're putting on the show. They're deep in the lies. There's, what do you mean? <laughs> hey, there's no sin back here. There's there's no adultery going on. I've got a great marriage. Everything's wonderful here. Keeping up the lies. Keeping up the... Well, I'm not wicked. I'm a good person. How dare you say I'm a sinner? You see, there's no guilt. There's no meeting with Jesus. You've got to let them know that they're guilty. As tactfully and friendly as you can, let them know they're a guilty sinner on their way to hell. (laughs) Okay, you say, that's hard. Yep, it is. Be their friend first. That's going to help. But whenever you got saved, someone lets you know about the guilt that you had. Number two, whenever you got saved, your sin brought you to a one-on-one meeting with Jesus Christ. Romans six twenty-three: for the wages of sin is death. I'm guilty, I deserve hell. But the gift of God is the eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus is the only one that can give you pardon for that sin. Your sin brought you to the one that can forgive you of that sin. And if you're saved here this morning, this is what you did: you accepted Jesus Christ, number three, as your Lord and Savior. You accepted His free gift of salvation by acknowledging what He did, and that He did that His death, burial, and resurrection was for your sins. It was because of your guilt. And if you if you're saying here this morning, I got saved by repeating a prayer, but I was never guilty, or I don't think I was ever really that bad, you're not saved because you never found yourself guilty. You say, well, I, I always went to church and one day I said a prayer. You're not saved. You, you've got to be guilty before you can get saved. You've got to be lost before you're found. She got pardoned because she got caught. You want to understand why this woman was able to get these blessings from being caught and how you can get blessed after you get caught in your sin, then you're going to have to take on some of the things, do some of the things that this woman did when she was caught. Okay? There's blessings for getting caught. And if you want any of these three that we've talked about, this is what you've got to do. This is how you have to approach it when you get caught in your sin, when your sin gets exposed, this is what you've got to do. Number one, notice she did not deny guilt. She didn't say, you know, the Pharisee standing there. We caught her in adultery in the very act. You know, what do you say? You think we should stone her to death? She didn't say, no, 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 I'm no. innocent. I, I, I that, that was someone else. You know, i got a twin sister. Looks the same as me. And she's been adulterous. Man, she, just, she goes around with everybody. That must have been her. No, she, she, she didn't say, well, I was seduced. That's what it was. It's really the guy's fault, and where's he at anyway? He's supposed to be stoned to death, too. That's what the law says. She, she didn't say, well, I, I was seduced. Well, he forced himself on me. That's, that's what it was, Lord. I, I was not a willing participant, but, you know, I mean, it, that's, that's, just, that's just part of it. She didn't say, well, I, I was set up. Lord, they were just trying to get you in your words, and really it's these Pharisees and everything, they're, they're trying to get you, Lord, so they just picked me up off the street, they tore my clothes a little bit, and they said they caught me in adultery. You know what? That, that, that's exactly what happened. She didn't say, well, you, Lord, if, if you knew my husband, well, Lord, if, if you knew his wife, you would understand we, we really had to do this. She, she's not making any excuse here. She's not passing the buck. She's not doing anything but taking the blame. Why? Because she knows she's guilty. She knows she did it. She took the accusation because she knew it was true. If you want to get the blessings of getting caught in your sin, you need to admit that, yeah, that's my sin. Yep, Lord, I, I did that. Guilty, that's me. Well, what's what's your excuse? What's your defense? I don't have one. It was my fault because it was my sin. I did it. Okay. Jesus says, now we can talk. You got caught. Now now we can talk. So number one, she did not deny the guilt. Number two, she acknowledged Jesus' authority. She wasn't brought before the Lord and, and say, well, who are you to judge me? You know, who, who, you just think just because you're in the temple and you're teaching people and stuff like that. You know, I've heard some people say, you're not really the Messiah, you know. I mean, this Pharisee over here, he was preaching just last, last Sabbath how, how you're not really the Messiah and this, that, and the other. And so, you know, you're not really an authority here. Take, take me back to them or, or, you know, just let me go because you really don't have any power here anyway. No, no, no. She acknowledged Jesus' authority. Look at what she said, verse 11. She said, no man, Lord, She's showing him respect of the authority that he is. Even when everyone else left her, she stood waiting for Jesus to deal with her guilt. She didn't just wait for the open door to escape out of there. She said, I'm brought before the Lord. My sin has been exposed. Lord, I'm, I'm guilty. I'm here. What's my punishment? She didn't say... Everybody's gone. I'm going to make a break for it. He's still writing in the dirt. Here we go. (laughs) No, no, no. She recognized the authority of the one she's in front of. You know, we have our authority right here before us written down. Word of God. If you want a blessing, even when guilty, you must recognize the authority of the Word of God. Too many Christians today question and criticize the authority of Scripture That may help you feel justified in your sin, but you will reject the blessings of being caught. If she tried to hightail it out of there before the Lord had a chance to deal with her, you know, I bet she would have went straight back into the arms of that other guy. They they would have made a run for it, right? We're going to make a new life together, another another city or whatever. We're going to start over fresh, just, just run away from her problems. That sin would catch up with her, and this time she wouldn't have Jesus on her side. She'd be stoned to death. There's blessings in getting caught, but you've got to act like this woman here. So she didn't deny guilt. She acknowledged Jesus' authority. Number three, she accepted the rebuke. Verse 11, she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Listen, I have every reason To believe that she left the temple that day changed. I believe that she went through. The Bible doesn't tell us what happened to her after this. I'm left to assume. So let me assume a little bit with you. But I believe that she went changed. I bet she didn't go back to that other man. She probably didn't give him any explanation of anything. She said that's it. I've I've had enough. I'm not keeping up with these lies anymore. That's all come crumbling down. Because I, I met a man that redeemed me that took away my condemnation, that set me free when I should have been stoned to death. And she left changed. I believe she gave up her adulterous relationship and started living a life that was pleasing to the Lord. You say, why don't you believe that? Because when you have your sins exposed and they're brought before the Lord and then forgiven, you develop a deep love for Jesus Christ. Turn to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. It's amazing to me that how, how the people who think that they're holy and righteous and they, they're, they're so good and they're so sinless because they're religious, how shallow their relationship with the Lord is, how much they really don't appreciate Him or care for Him or love Him like they should but it's the ones that are picking apart their own lives and their mental thoughts and their speech and their actions and, and every little aspect of their life and their hard on themselves, sin-wise, because they say, no, listen, I, I want to pre- please the Lord. I know this is wrong. I know I'm guilty here. I know I'm messing up here. And, and the more that they expose their own guilt, how much more those people love the Lord. And they say, man, I just, I just love him because he saved me out of so much. He helped me so much because I know how guilty I was. I really appreciate how he set me free. Luke chapter 7, look at verse 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meat. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, sounds like she's got a reputation, everybody knows it, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with his uh, I'm sorry, began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, "This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, notice this is Jesus answering the Pharisee who spoke within himself. Jesus is reading his thought and answering his thoughts. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say against thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors, the one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto, unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. So notice we got two people. you got the Pharisee who's got it all together, got the appearance, got the job, got the religious standing and uh, reputation throughout his community. He invites Jesus in because he wants to say, Oh, I had Jesus at my house. And Jesus is there. And then this sinning woman comes in, probably a prostitute. She comes in and... She's here, and she's, she's wiping and weeping on the feet of Jesus and cleaning her, her, his feet with her hair and putting ointment on him and, and doing all these different things and stuff, and he's sitting there. I can't believe she's doing that. That's, man, if, if, if he knew how wicked and guilty she was, he wouldn't give her the time of day. Jesus says, hey, let me tell you something. You know how I came into your house, and you're, you're super spiritual and religious and everything, and, and you notice you didn't give me any water for my feet. And uh, you didn't anoint my hair. You didn't give me anything for that. And uh, you don't love me very much. You don't take care of me very much. But then this sinning woman came in and she did nothing but minister to me. Well, see, she's a great sinner. And you don't think you're very guilty. So you're not loving me very much. She knows she's guilty, everyone else knows she's guilty. But she realizes who I am and her love for me is overflowing. When you have your sins exposed and brought before the Lord and then forgiven, you develop a deep love for Jesus Christ. Why did the Pharisee not show his love towards the Lord like he should have? He didn't love the Lord very much. He wasn't guilty in his eyes. He knew his sins, but he thought they were little. Not a big deal. I've got a good job. I've got a good reputation. Everyone knows I'm religious. That's good enough. And he loves the Lord little. But there was another woman who had her sins exposed that said, Lord, I'm guilty. And she showed her love for the master because she understood look how much the Lord forgave me. Why? Because she knew she was guilty. Getting caught in the guilt of your sin is not just good for salvation it's good for a continued relationship with Jesus Christ. Remembering that you're guilty is going to help you love him more. But the problem is, is that even though some of those things in our lives change and we start dressing better and acting better and talking better and being more religious, our love for the Lord can taper off because we've done such a good job of hiding our guilt. So from time to time, we need to just focus on ourselves a little bit and say, Lord, where am I guilty? Lord, where where am I messing up? What sin of mine should have me kneeling at your feet begging for forgiveness right now? Because, God, I've I've been really good at covering it up. And, Lord, you've been helping me a lot. And you've been changing a lot. But, Lord, there's still something here. And I know there's something here because I don't appreciate you as much as I used to. I don't love you as much as I should, Lord. And it's not because... You're not quick to forgive, and you're wanting to pardon, and you're merciful. But it's because I don't appreciate your forgiveness, because I don't recognize my guilt. Maybe you need to ask the Lord to catch you, so that your sin could be exposed and you could be brought back to the feet of Jesus, alone, one-on-one, your excuses left at home, your scapegoats penned up. It's just you and him. Because the Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's going to help your relationship with the Lord if you let your sin get exposed. Getting caught's a good thing. Turning yourself in is better. Because it's going to show the Lord... Lord, I know I'm guilty on this. God, I know this sin is my problem. And, Lord, I, I, I know what the Bible says. Lord, it's been preached on before. I've read passages against it. And, Lord, I, I know this is my sin. I know I'm guilty. So, Lord, I'm turning myself in. Can I come to your feet now? And you can show me a different way out. Lord, I'm not going to sneak out the back door. I'm not going to try to just hide and run away from it. I'm not going to make excuses. Lord, I'm admitting my sin. Not, not to the preacher. Not to anybody else in the congregation. I'm admitting it to Jesus Christ. I'm admitting it to him. Because I want that relationship fixed. And that comes through exposure of my sin. I'd like to ask you to please stand. Do your heads bowed and your eyes closed?